7th at 7. Um, prayer meeting will continue to happen on Wednesday nights, so there'll be prayer meeting this week too. Um, you can come and see who's who the speaker who, who's going to share their devotion um, on Wednesday night, so uh, you can enjoy that. We also may have some uh, changes in the future here. Uh, we're talking about that now. So, 10th and 11th, a man-to-man retreat at Bethany Camp. For June, uh, the 12th and 19th, Josh will be speaking. This week, Rick, and uh, the last Sunday, Don Rossi will be here from Miracle Mountain. Um, June 12th is when we'll have communion, in case you think we should have it set up today. Um, that would have been one more thing, and people were going crazy getting everything organized as it was. So um, we'll do communion next week. Um, marriage camp at Bethany Camp, 17th and 18th. If you want to be a part of that, all the retreats at Bethany are posted on the bulletin board in the hall. Uh, don't forget the church work days, the 16th and 18th. Those are important. Those are going to be at the Parsonage. So set some time aside on those two days to be a part of that. And uh, I already told you about Don Rossi, so that uh, I think covers everything right now. So we're going to start this morning, if they're ready. Oh, you're ready. Here you are. Okay. We have some children who are going to come up and sing a song for you. that was an impromptu get get ready they did that this morning that was pretty good um so we're grateful for that so the way the service is going to go today is we'll we're going to sing a song and then after the song there's a sharing time in the first sharing time the first person to come will be kathy bovee and then after that um we'll have there'll be short sharing times not like uh 20 minutes long because we're going to have uh Three sharing times uh, between now and the and when you can't share anymore. So you'll have some time to do that. Um, we really don't want too many preachers sharing, you know, so that you're spending 15 minutes apiece or anything. We'll just keep you moving along. Okay, so we're going to start off by singing hymn number 734. It's a chorus. You probably, some of you probably know it, and it's going to be right in front of you. 734, I know who holds the future.
towards the future and I know who holds my hand with God things don't just happen everything by him is planned so as I face tomorrow with its problems large and small I'll trust the God of miracles give to him Okay, Kathy Bovee, is she here? Oh, there she is. She has something she wants to share. So if you were to think of the hardest and most important job, what would you think of? I think, well, you think of maybe a president or king or maybe head of NASA or a peace negotiator, but I think of a parent. Being a parent, I think, is the most important job and one of the hardest jobs. But then I was thinking about our pastor, and that has to be one of the hardest jobs because you're like a parent. And here you have like a 100 kids Um, with different personalities, different problems, and different quirks and needs. And our pastor, he knows all of us. He knows us, our names. He doesn't know all our quirks, but he knows some of them. He's been with us in crisis, and he's been with us in celebrations of weddings and births and funerals. And he has led us. Um, God has given him great, great wisdom in dealing with us as individuals. And I am so thankful for the wisdom God has given us, him in leading us over the wisdom, over the years. So what do I have in the box? Treasure. This treasure was mined by our pastor for us. He dug, and he shared his bounty with us over these many years. And this isn't mine and John's. This is just mine, and this isn't from all the years, but it's not in order. But this is some of the treasure that is worth more than gold or silver, but this is the treasure he has mined for us through the years. The word of God, the scriptures that he has shared with us, that he has fed us and taught us, and he has taught us well. And I am so thankful for the wisdom God has given him in the word of God to, to teach us. It's great, great treasure. And he has shared it and given it to us. And another treasure that came along with Pastor Terry, would you come here? Please. I know she hates this. So we're going to go to her anyway. <laughs> but 
She's the other treasure. Kingwood pastor. She's the one that has lived out the word. She has ministered to so many people throughout the years, and I've seen her. She's ministered to me greatly many times. Four o'clock in the morning, I called her once because I was having anxiety with something. She came. I could name many, many things. But I've seen her minister to people to her own hurt and detriment. Anywhere big a little, doing laundry, to, even for her own family, but I've seen her minister to strangers. People at camp and just about anyone. She is the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's what it's about. So Pastor has given us the word, and I've seen Terry live it out in word and deed, and that's what we're to do. And so thank you, Pastor, for the treasure that you've given us. And you. Okay, we're going to have one more. Um, is there a mic out there? Oh, yeah, we have a mic for whoever's going to speak after her. I know, she. she's like John. They're just good preachers. They can come right up here and do it. If nobody's ready yet, we'll move on to the next song. But this is an opportunity. This is the one opportunity you get. I'll share something. There you go. All right. <clears throat> um, in Scripture, there are elders and overseers, and Don is... Uh, absolutely one of those you have to meet in a certain number of qualifications and you don't get to retire unless you are disqualified and Don is not disqualified as far as I know Um, so I think we go through this and we say oh Don's retiring Don's retiring Don is not retiring whether he likes it or not (laughs) Don is still very much an elder and very much deserves your respect Um, your thanks um your praise to God for working in his heart from the youngest age until now, um, designing every step that he's taken for his good, for God's glory most of all. And Don recognizes that. And Don shares that. And this is not a celebration so much of uh, Don's work as much as God's work and Don's life. And I think it would be uh, kind of disrespectful to put it any other way. Because Don doesn't want any Sunday to be a worship of Don Eggleston, uh, but a worship of the work that Jesus Christ has done in his life, to God's glory, for our good. And I am very thankful for that, and very thankful that uh, hopefully he will never retire until the day that he dies. And um, he will even teach us now, as he takes a little step back, uh, what it means to be a man of God. And I will continue to learn from him until the day either I leave or uh, he leaves, one or the other. And so I just thank God for him and for the ministry he's worked in my life and my family and countless people uh, because of what God has done in his life. Good. At this time, uh, Jessica Eimer is going to come and sing a song. Um, I was told this was Pastor's favorite hymn, so I'm going to try to do it some justice. <laughs> I say it's 
my one for ministry. It's not just my favorite hymn, but the one okay. that I think of in relation <laughs> to ministry. Like the divine 
continue with some more sharing time? Anybody else want to share anything? No. No. A ride to school. I, I got called in the sub, and Terry, can you come and be the Easter Bunny for me at pre-K? And my dog is dead in the road. Would you come get it out before the kids see it? And those kinds of things. And then, well, there was this class, and my marriage, my second marriage, of course, was was really in a bad place. And he said he was going to offer a marriage class, and I got Jim to come. And it made all the difference in our lives. And right around that time, too, one other thing i got to say is that I had this big window in my living room, and my parents had given me a table. And I shoved the table through the window and broke it. And Don and Jim very carefully fixed it, took it to Ehrman Rice, got new glass, and put it in. Two days later, Jim had gone to work, And I once again forgot the table was there and pushed it right back through the same window. (laughs) And I called Don. It was winter. And Don came down, took the window out, took it back to Ehrman and put it back in. And I don't really know if Jim even knows now that we did that because we certainly didn't tell him that day. And then there's, there's many other things through the years, the good times, the bad, the sorrows. And, and then the, the last big one was, when I say he's always there, when COVID hit and I, I needed to retire, and it was a very difficult decision because that was not our plan. Jim and I had planned this out to the day, <laughs> and retiring right then was not a part of that plan. And we had had this discussion, and I was really upset, and... I called Donald, and without even letting him say a word, I started venting, saying, you've got to talk to Jim. I don't know what to do. I have to do this. This is time. And he let me vent that all out. And then he very calmly said, Pam, Jim is already here in my office. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, these last two years have been tough but wonderful. I've been able to do things I would never have been able to do had had I not been home and able to help and be there. So... I appreciate that, and I appreciate Don and Terry for just always, always being there. And Terry, one of these days we're going to have to sneak off to a hotel again. (laughs) All right. Good. Anybody else? I'll share something. Okay. I think one of the things, it's funny because um, I think one of the things that most people in the town would recognize is, um, I think my dad is known as the pastor of the town, even though there are other pastors, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that there are so many kids in different groups. But I think one of the things um, that my dad did very well is, I remember when I would make friends with somebody new and they'd come over and they'd be like, oh, your dad's a pastor? 
so am I allowed to say this? Are we allowed to do this? Um, and I think one of the things that he's always been very good at is not judging people, um, but sticking to what he believes is true and being very um, steadfast in what he believes, but also not making people feel like they're um, judged or being watched in those areas. And I think that's very important to winning people over to Christ and showing them. I think that a lot of times pastors or leaders or different people um, are thought of as maybe judgmental or perfect in certain ways, and then other people feel uncomfortable around them. But I think my father was, um, was very, very good about that, and he was also very good about saying, here's what I think is right and wrong. You need to make a decision, but you'll live with your consequences. I remember wanting to go to the mall or something and for five bucks, okay, but you have to go earn all of this. And then once you went there, what is your decision going to be? You'd have like a 20-minute conversation. I'm like, I just wanted $5. But, <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the things that he's very good at that is um, often not recognized as a true skill that it, that it is. So. Scripture reminds us that... Uh... One of the ways that the world will know that we're his disciples is our love one for another. And uh, I think what we heard is a couple of messages about his love and her love and how they love people and accept them. Um, doesn't mean that you change what you believe. You stand on it and you believe the scriptures and you're doing, you're true to God because that's the message you want out there. But you can do it in a way that just shows them love. We're going to sing a song now to, to worship the Lord. We're going to stand and sing. It's your chance to stand up. And uh, here I am to worship. down into darkness open my eyes let me see beauty that made this heart adore you hope of a life spent with you here I am to here I am to bow down Here I am to say that You're my God You're altogether lovely Altogether worthy Altogether wonderful to me King of all days Oh, so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. Here I am to Here I am. 
want to share this is your last opportunity messenger um you know we we had lived away for 12 years um the kids were born when we lived away and then fred's home church was the northeast baptist church so of course when we moved back and his mother was still there we went there for four years then um i brought the kids here a week or two before fred started coming and the second sunday when we got out of the car down here where roxy lives now Um, And Seth said, we learned more in two weeks at the Ripley Church than we did in four years at the Northeast Church. And that just, um, it was overwhelming to me emotionally and in my spiritual heart. Because, of course, we all want our children to be, um, their time to be used efficiently to learn exactly what God wants them to do. And my observation has always been that Pastor Don could stick to the basics and at the same time be able to teach us, as if he was teaching in a Bible school, that he could teach us the details of theology but stay with the basics at the same time and keep us all focused on on that very specific goal in our everyday walk and what our children are learning. So I'm, I'm thankful to Pastor for that and thankful that God brought us here. I may have questioned that a lot of times over the years because of other things, but not church things. <laughs> Anybody else? 
we got two people. That's what I like, people standing up so I know that Well, I have something people. funny because otherwise I'm going to just keep crying. So I've had the blessing of having um, my father as a pastor, my best friend as a pastor, our best friend as a pastor, my brother as a pastor, and who am I going to sass now? Because I said I have to have a pastor that I feel comfortable enough to get a little grief to because, you know, I've done that all my life. But my also claim to fame is I've watched every one of those pastors' underwear. <laughs> so that makes me feel very comfortable with them. So I just needed to, you know, let you know. I probably may still have that gift once in a while. But um, I'm going to miss Don being up there very much. But he's not going anywhere, so I can still torment him. I've already told him we'll invite him to preach now and then. So, uh, I wasn't originally going to say anything today. I hadn't planned on it. But something just came to mind. Uh, to be blunt, I think Don truly in his heart listens to the Lord. Uh, my biggest example of that is me. Uh, I wasn't exactly uh, enamored by God before Ham was their friends forever. And, uh, but somewhere along the line, we had met with them, and uh, Don chose to buy a car for me, and we started to become friends a little bit, but he never pushed me. If he had done that, if he had not listened to that quiet voice of God in his heart and had done what other people in my life before that had done, which was be a little more aggressive. I, I know God did work through that, and that was his plan, but I, I've always appreciated Don's ability to, to be gentle and not push things when God was telling him not to. And I think that was truly God telling him not to, because that wouldn't have worked with me. It certainly wouldn't have. And uh, I've, seen it do, I've seen him do that other times also. And that's just... A, that, to this day, is a joy in my heart as I think about that one attribute of his, of course, God-given, and he uses it and listens to it and really listens to what God's telling him and the way he ministers to us. Anybody else? Of course, you've got a chance to do a lot of talking together afterwards, but... Hello. Um, Pastor and Terry... You have both, both, both taught us not only by words, but by your Christian example of what Jesus expects of us as believers. We thank you for your many years of service to our church and to our community. You both have done so much behind the scenes. They are just too numerous to count. But we want you to know your efforts did not go unseen. Your example was the biggest teacher of God's love to each one of us. Thank you for teaching us what real love is, the concern towards others and action towards that end. We will always remember that. Someday you will both hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Have a wonderful and happy retirement, but knowing both of you, 
You will never retire from serving God and sharing God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also, since I'm up, I would also like to thank all of you and my family for all your prayers and all the beautiful cards I received while I was in the hospital. Your love and concern shown to me and my family was a real encouragement to me and a great blessing to all of us. Thank you. One more opportunity if somebody still has something to say, otherwise we'll move on to a hymn. He's a preacher. He can yell it out there. I, I promise to keep it short. But as a, as a fellow pastor, it's, it's just encouraging to know other pastors that just stick by the stuff. Thane Bodenmiller was at Westfield Baptist for 30-plus years. Larry Morrison is at Brockton Baptist. Paul Sears was at First Baptist in Sherman. Gary Henry was at West Portland Baptist Church 40 years, and and Eggleston has been at First Baptist Church for three or four hundred years. No, <laughs> but it truly it truly says something about their dedication to the Lord and all the people that are still here. Some churches have closed their doors. Some churches have uh, no longer existed. But uh, it says something to the faithfulness of God, of the pastor's relationship with him. And uh, just by way of encouragement, I heard recently that old pastors never die. They just recirculate. (laughs) Okay, we're going to sing I'll Be a Sunbeam. Hopefully I can say that when I'm singing, I'll Be a Sunbeam. We're going to sing the first and second verse, and then the chorus, the third and fourth verse, and then the chorus. So. Jesus wants me for a sunbeam to shine for him each day. In every way try to please Him At home, at school, at play Jesus wants me to be loving And kind to all I see Showing how pleasant and happy His little ones can be A sunbeam, a sunbeam Jesus wants me for a sunbeam, a sunbeam, a sunbeam. I'll be a sunbeam for Him. I will ask Jesus to help me to keep my heart from sin. Ever reflecting His goodness and always shine for Him. A song of Jesus, I can if I but try. Serving Him moment by moment, then live with Him on high. A song. 
sunbeam. Jesus wants me for a sunbeam, a sunbeam, a sunbeam. I'll be a sunbeam for him. All these years, you know, Don's put up with me being the song leader. And as you know, sometimes I write my own words and don't follow my own directions. So thank you for doing so. At this time, uh, we're going to give the pulpit to Rick Eimers. Not literally. He's going to come up and be our preacher today. All those ages four to seven can be, is that right? Four to seven? Three to five. Three to five, wrong. All those from three to five can be dismissed to three. Some of them are six now. I haven't done this for a long time, you know. Told anybody where where to go as far as the kids go. Don usually does it, so now I have to take it over. I'm gonna have to remember three to five. There are clipboards up here for those uh, up to nine years of age. My wife's laughing at me because I don't know. I'll get better. What? Okay, now Rick Heimer is going to come and he's going to share from the Word of God this morning. Rick, long time, uh, well, he was a student and a friend and pastor at another church. Glad to have him. Thank you. It's fun to see a lot of familiar faces. One thing I thought I would do first, just for a uh, Pastor, I thought I would get a picture from this point of view, right? Maybe you could post it on your uh, Facebook cover page or something, so everybody uh, everybody can smile. Ready? And I'll edit it later. All right. Very good. Very good. Well, it's so good to be here, and, and there's a lot of faces here that I recognize. Obviously, a lot of people. Hey, Melanie. She, my babysitter when I was. Uh, <laughs> Right, right. This is cool. That's cool. Uh, anyway, it's it's really good to be here, and I I could like I could share a lot of things. I wanted to share a couple couple quick stories. I remember um, when I was probably around 1987, vacation Bible school. Um, pastor Don, probably one of the first people to look at me and said, "I think you're going to be a pastor someday." Um, and then, you know, that kind of steady influence at this church was a. Uh, a big, big thing in my life because there's a lot of, a lot of this kind of community here really encouraged, encouraged that a lot. Um, and then I remembered a, a series of messages that Pastor preached, and I, I remembered this one. You're going to be impressed. But the title of his series of messages, maybe you could pull this out again someday, was "Why Every Woman Should Want to Marry a Pastor." Right, and right, and then the tagline was. And every man should want to be one. I didn't focus as much on that as much as I did on the first. So that the big influence is why I became a pastor. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah, but there, there was just so much about, about um, this. It's been really good. And then, you know, I, I stepped into ministry at age 22. I'm 45 now. And there's a, there's a couple key moments I just thought that I would share that have been important to me, um, even from afar. Because there's a... You know, in ministry, I'm at a larger church. There's a number of people that are pastors on staff with us, and um, and and I call them all by first name. But I've never transitioned to anything but Pastor Don because I always tell people, even after 20 some years of ministry, I just go like, 
well, you're all peers, but Pastor Don's my pastor. Um, and, I, and I never transitioned to just calling him Don. Even, even mentors in my life, right? Um, Ted Boykin is Ted, right? Like, but there's men in my life, and I've always looked this way. And so I, I, before I get into any uh, the passage, I just want to share just a couple, couple things that I think about that really show the heart of Pastor Don, um, at least in my own life. I remember um, as a kid, when my parents owned a pizza shop, I would come over here a lot, and I would play on a piano, um, sit in the office with Pastor Don, and there would be multiple times, I, I can think of multiple times that Pastor would, um, as he was leaving, say, hey, can I drive you home? So I'd jump in the car with him, and he'd drive me home, and we'd sit in the driveway, and, and I, would, I don't always remember what he shared, but I, it made a huge impact on my life, just the fact that Pastor Don is wanting to spend time with just me. Um, and that happened multiple times. There were... I remember a couple impromptu times. I remember one time in particular, we were sitting in there talking, and he goes, oh, uh, somebody's dryer just broke. I need to go fix it. Um, and, and it kind of stuck with me, like, this is what a pastor does. Um, and I remember another time, uh, I was about 10, 15 years into ministry. I shared this one with pastor before. Um, but I left Cleveland, and I drove all the way back to Ripley, and I remember just thinking, like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Ministry is hard. Um, it, was a, it was a rough season. We didn't even talk, but I drove home and uh, just thinking there's no way that I can continue to go on. And I sat in the driveway over at my house and I watched across as Pastor Don was mowing the lawn. And I sat there for about 10 minutes just watching him mow the lawn, just going, Lord, help me be faithful. And, and I, I remember a couple of years later, I um, brought that up to him and just said, like, I don't even know if you needed it to hear this, but I sat there just watching you. And I decided, you know, to keep going, keep pressing on, because I was watching you mow the lawn being faithful. Um, there's, there's countless stories, I'm, I'm sure, that we can all share in our own lives. But, like, um, it's the heart of a discipler. It's the heart of a shepherd. And um, in this body, this community, this church, um, this county uh, is very blessed to have a, a man um, with the character, with the perseverance, with the love for people um, that you've shown and continue to show. Uh, and I, I remember hearing somebody once say, I'm not retiring, I'm just retiring, right? So like put new tires on and... Um, and, and look for the next ministry that God's calling you to do. Um, but I'm so honored genuinely to be here, and I'm so thankful. Um, I'm, so my name is Rick, and I'm, my mom's Stephanie, and I would say thank you on behalf of her as well, because it's. Um, I remember a couple weeks ago before her surgery, calling and just saying, I'm going to start calling people to see if we can get them to care for you afterwards. And she goes, Rick, like, slow down. I've been a part of this community for a long time. Let the church respond. Just let them respond. And you guys have. And you guys have been amazing, phenomenal. This community is amazing and phenomenal. Um, and there's a book I, I read a couple years ago called Gaining by Losing. And the idea was like the healthiest churches are the ones who send, right? Not try to keep all their assets, but send. And this has been a sending church. There's people um, all over uh, 
all over probably the world at this point that have been impacted by the ministry that you all continue to have. And I think Josh shared it well when he said, you don't retire, you just look for the next call in your life. So anyway, with those things, let me, let me open with a word of prayer, and then we'll, we're going to take a look at it, some verses here. Lord, thank you for... Thank you for Pastor Don and Terry and the ministry that they've had and continue to have. Thank you for the people who are showing up here to um, show respect and honor to where it's due. Um, as Josh said, Lord, we don't, we're not here to um, idolize Pastor Don, but Lord, we just thank you so much for the ministry and the faithfulness that he's had. And um, there's countless stories of ways that he's ministered. And so, Lord, we're grateful, grateful for that. Uh, continue to use him and Terry and this ministry and this church to um, be the light in this world that you're calling them to be. We submit all this to you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I don't know if you guys can see this, but like I had written out like a talk and then this morning over breakfast, I started scratching it all out and writing new things. And I was like, I don't know what's going to happen up here, but I won't be too long. Um, what I, w- what I would like you to do, though, is I'd like you to open up to Matthew chapter 5. Um, and, I was, and I was thinking of, like, different texts. Um, that would be appropriate. Um, and so, you know, this, this text here is... It's a pretty influential, amazing text. And let me do a little bit of the backdrop. And I know we have a lot of uh, theologians in here, um, so I don't need to dive into a lot of this uh, beforehand. But Matthew chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized, right? We see uh, at age, around age 30, he gets baptized. And and it says that the Spirit of God descended like a dove, the heavens opened up, and God the Father looked down at Jesus and said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Um, And and that's at age 30 and announcing his public ministry, right? He's getting ready for his public ministry. He gets baptized. And then verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1, the next four words are, uh, actually three, if I could count, uh, then the devil, right? Like, so... Jesus gets baptized, and then all of a sudden, then the devil, and it says, led him into the wilderness to be tempted. And Matthew chapter 4, you see Jesus facing temptation before his public ministry launches. Um, And after 40 days of temptation, uh, Matthew chapter 5, we kick off the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 5, the very first words recorded in Jesus' public ministry by Matthew are the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and, and I'd like to read some of them, uh, if I could. It just says that, as, um, starting with verse 1, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And this is the part that I wanted to just really emphasize, because Jesus came to teach him. But the very first words out of Jesus' mouth, he could say anything, right? But that, Jesus, that Matthew records. And then the very first words are this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So I was going to focus mostly on verses 13 to 16, um, primarily 14 to 16, about what does it mean to have your light shine and what does it mean to be a city on a hill or a, here it says a town on a hill. In ESV, it's a city on a hill. Um, but I wanted it to be rooted first in what we call the Beatitudes. Or you've, you've heard that phrase, the Beatitudes, because it's the very first words, about ten verses, that set the course for the entire Sermon on the Mount. And, and the reason why we start with the Beatitudes is because if you lop those off and you just focus on the Sermon on the Mount, which is very action-oriented, um, then honestly what we become is Pharisees. Because the Beatitudes are the heart posture. What, like Jesus is looking at us saying, what does it mean to have a heart posture of one in the kingdom? It starts here. And anything that you do that's not as an outflow out of here is, is just pharisaical living. You can do all the things, you can live all the ways, you can be nice to people, um, but if it's not rooted um, in the heart posture of what God calls us to do, then we're Pharisees and we miss, the, we miss the mark and that's who Jesus flips the tables on. So these first verses are really important. And, and not only are they really important, but what, what is the very first one? Like, why did we start with blessed are the poor in spirit? Like the very first words out of Jesus' mouth in his public ministry, he says this. He didn't come like, yeah, he, he, we, we often say he didn't come like a king. He came like a baby in a manger. But his message wasn't this crazy outlandish thing. It was, blessed are the poor in spirit. They inherit the kingdom of God. Well, there's, there's an author that I have read over the years. A pastor, I'm sure you've read this, but studies in the Sermon on the Mount by D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He talks a little bit about this in this text. And he says, well, why did Jesus start with blessed are the poor in spirit? He said, you know, because that, that was actually a radical message. Because if all these people are gathered around listening to Jesus share, and they're, they're trying to figure out, who's this guy and what is he talking about? Why is this the first thing? Well, what, what we'd see is if, if, the, if the people listening to Jesus share really let this sink in. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? To be poor in spirit is um, to be completely self-empty. Right to be 100% altruistic, to only look out for other people's best interest over yourself. Like this, this utter self-denial. Only these people inherit the kingdom of God. Well, like, the original audience, if they're sitting there listening, if, if you want to hear a radical message, it's that. And Jesus, is, as he's saying this, the people would be sitting there going, if they really let this sink in, what happens? Well, it's not me. It's, it's not you. It's not, it's not Tom Menser. Y'all know that. It's not Pastor Don. Right? Like, 
blessed are the poor, only these people inherit the kingdom of God. It's none of us. And what would happen is all the people around, if they really let it sink deep into their heart, into the core of who they were, what would happen? Well, they would mourn. Right? And you begin to see a progression. Because what does Jesus say? Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Well, what is, what, wow, what's that mean? Because like all these people, like some people are going to get angry at the message. Some people are going to receive the message. But those who mourn, they're going to be comforted. And when you recognize like, yeah, I'm selfish and I deserve none of this. And I'm going to mourn over my sin. I'm going to repent over this. I'm going to be, well, those people are going to be comforted. And we know how they're comforted. Right? Because of Christ and because of the Spirit of God in us. Um, but then as these build, what's the next outflow? The outflow of those who are poor in spirit um, are because now they're poor in spirit because they mourn, right? And now they're comforted. And what happens? Well, the outflow of one who mourns is meekness. Blessed are the meek. They inherit the earth. But what is, what is meekness? But like we... If you ever hear this idea of meekness, it's strength under control, like a, or a, a wild stallion that's been broken. It's this idea that like, wow, like I, um, I recognize that I was this selfish, rebellious, far from God person who absolutely needed to turn my life around and I knew I couldn't do it on my own. So the, the heart posture and response was, I mourn over the fact that I can't do it. There's nothing I can do. But then what happens is like all this, all this like flesh and strength that we had in the flesh turns around into meekness when we give our lives to Christ. And it says now, now everything that you were, where it was like this wild stallion, picture that wild stallion that's not been broken, when you follow Christ and you submit to his lordship and leadership in your life, what happens? Well, you're that wild stallion, but now you've been broken by your master. Right? And, and this is and, and if you continue if you continue to build off these beatitudes, you'll see how one is just an outflow of the other. One is now what's the result? What's the result? And 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 we're not gonna focus on there, but I wanted to at least start there with the Beatitudes because, because it all has to come from there. It all has to come from as an outflow of that place and who we are because of Jesus, because if it doesn't if it doesn't come from there, we're missing the mark. And but verse 13, that's verse 13 is when we first start seeing what does it mean to start living this way? How what happens when we live this way? Well, when this happens, what you'll see it says, you are the salt of the earth. But if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out underfoot. You are a light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So when the, when the Beatitudes, when the heart posture of the believer is lived out, what is, what is the first thing that's going to be a result? Well, you're a light. You're a light to who? The whole world, right? And so um, there's, there's some different pastors who have tackled this well, and I, I love the uh, city on a hill phrase or the town on a hill. Tim Keller talks a lot about that. He's a pastor out of New York City. Um, but because of Christ, because of the resurrection of Jesus, now we have the gospel of Christ, 
And, and the way it plays out, it says, you're a light. When you and I walk away from here, whether you're a grape grower, whether you're a, a public school teacher, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, you are the light of the world. And, and that's, as you go through your life, we are the light of the world as we go. And Ripley should be a different place because we are all here. Um, but then, in that text when it says, you're a city on a hill, um, that also is, this is the city. This is, the, in, in NIV it says, this is the town on a hill. And that when we gather, uh, the people around us should know that there's something different about this place. Because if you picture in this, in this text, when you picture a city on a hill, um, well, there's a couple things when you refer to it in contrast to light and darkness, right? Picture a city on a hill that have its lights on, right? It stands out. Everybody sees it. And, and a, as you look down, the light from the hill cascades north, south, east, and west. The closer you get to the light, right, the brighter it becomes. But, like when the, and, but there's some premises to this text here. It's saying, like, if you're the light of the world, it means that the rest of the world is in darkness, right? Like, if you're a city on a hill, it means that you're, uh, you're up on a hill and that people should be noticing, wow, look at the light up there. Look at, look at what's going on in the city, on that town. And the closer we get to it, the brighter it is. Wow. Like, and, and what happens is we begin to live this heart posture. We begin to act it out in these ways, not in any way that's um, uh, self-focused, as, uh, as Josh, like I said, I referenced him earlier, in no way that it's bringing glory to me, but it's all about like when people interact with the people who are living for Christ, uh, it changes the things around us. Uh, that's why I was referring to Tim Keller. He says, like, when people, when people live this way, um, every, like, we may not always see the gospel penetrate the hearts of people towards uh, salvation, but what we do see is when the body of Christ lives as lights in the world and a city on a hill, human flourishing increases because of we are different people. We care for people differently. We're honest grape growers, right? We're, uh, we're financial advisors uh, who don't cheat people from their money. Uh, we do things in different ways because everything around us grows. And then what happens uh, when we live this way? Well, some of, the, some of the natural outflows of this type of living is we are not understood by the outside world in so many ways because they look at us, and what we do intuitively, people are confused by. And that is, um, how in the world do we stand for the marginalized in society? How do we care for the people who are the outcasts of society, while at the same time standing for truth? And if true Christ followers do it intuitively, because we all know that like, when we're living as light in the world and we're a city on a hill, the people that we interact with, the, the people who are in need, we're going to show love and grace and mercy, and we're going to live in a way that is so different than the rest of the world, but we're also going to stand for holiness and truth in ways that might actually anger people. So, so that's why Christ followers and Christians are really a peculiar people, because we Because we do things, like we said, very intuitively from this text, the more that we live out the Beatitudes, the more that we start having an outflow of it, being a light of the world, city on a hill, the more we confuse people all around us. 
And, and, the, and, and when we do that, and when you all do that, it, it changes people. Like, it, it changes the world around us. Um, and, that's, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, so, so you are this light of the world, and you are uh, a city on a hill. Um, so like we shared, light exposes uh, things for what they truly are. And when the Bible talks about this light, it's talking about also like an idea of it is that, well, Jesus says, well, I am the light of the world. So anywhere that you and I walk, it's like we're reflecting Christ in us. And that, and that is a really good thing. Um, but the other thing as, as it relates to this idea of being a light of the world in a city on a hill, um, this idea, like what you'll see a lot in society now is that this idea in a post-COVID world, um, we talk about being a light and, we, and you'll often hear young people talk about going, well, I, can, I, don't, need, I don't need the church anymore. I don't, need Christ, I don't need the community of the church anymore to live out my faith. I can just kind of do my thing and uh, it's just me and God, right? But this idea of like being a light of the world a city on a hill, the city on a hill part is an important piece of what we do. Because if we're just a light of the world without being a city, well, what happens? Well, the light snuffs out, right? And in time, if you're living on your own apart from community, apart from the city of believers, apart from the town of believers, and you think that you can do it on, on your own, in time, the, the fellowship, the... Um, Worship, the time of prayer together, the time of gathering together and having potluck dinners together. When you start living independently and on your own in time, what can easily happen is just like, yeah, I, I believe it, but it's just not for me much right now. It's just it's between me and God. And, and our light, you know, the light of the world aspect of what we do begins to kind of dim and to slow. Um, and so some of the things that I, I wanted to encourage, because like this, I, I think so highly of um, this church and this community and how God strategically placed you where you are for a specific reason, is there's a, a couple cautions that I could give, like, right? Like um, a lot of people can look at Pastor Don and go, oh no, what's going to happen to Ripley Baptist Church? Right? What's going to happen now? Pastor Don's stepping aside, like, who's going to be able to fill his shoes? Well, if we really live this out, it's us, right? In fact, like, um, not, not, only can this, not only can this church continue to grow and thrive, um, you, it, it can actually take the next step of what God's calling you to do as a community, because what happens oftentimes in transition, and, this, and I think we'll see this, is one of two things can happen. Again, your light can snuff out, right? Because we start thinking about, well, it's going to be really difficult. Or, you know, we're going to start seeing different people and different gift sets emerging that are going to go, do you know what? As, as Pastor Don's shifting his role to what he's going to be doing to bless this body, um, I, I can fill this role. I can step into this. I can, I can accomplish this, what was getting done. Oh, Pastor Don, fix that, those dryers? Like, I can fix dryers. I'm a good handyman. I can show up to start doing those sort of things. Pastor Don was mowing all this lawn while he was doing this full time? Well, that's not his job. Like, I, I can mow a lawn, 
right? Like, there's so many ways now that in, as this community can become even more of a bright, bright and shining light. Because as pastor has always taught and always shared, it's not about him. It's about, it's about the community of believers stepping up and being a, a city on a hill, a town on a hill, a light to the world. And there is no reason whatsoever that, for, um, that, that that even needs to take a step back. Right? And, and when I look around at a lot of the key people in this room, I go, oh, gosh, there's some really rooted, godly men and women in this church. And I see a lot of younger faces in this room that I knew when I was a, a kid. I go, man, I start thinking about, like, what, what would happen if, right? Like I, and I do look at this congregation, and I do see a lot of uh, my parents' generation that are probably still holding a lot of the weight and responsibility to keep this place going. And it might be time for some of you younger people to start stepping up and saying, I... I haven't been doing much around here, but I can. I can contribute. Um, and, and that would, and if this church is going to be fruitful and faithful for the next 500 years, it's going to be essential that the next young generation steps up and takes the mantle. Um, so when we, when we look at some of this stuff, like I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to share um, just a couple, a couple more things because it's a, um, what does it mean to be a city on a hill? I, I wrote down just a couple questions I was thinking about because, again, not everyone's gifted to be a public speaker or a pastor, right? Not everybody's gifted to necessarily take care of the hospitality for an event. Um, but what about questions like this? Do you have a little extra time that you could care for the most vulnerable in the community? Is there a single mom in the community that either is part of this community or not part of this community that could use some help. And you've got a little bit of extra time. Right now, with inflation as it is, a lot of people are struggling to keep their head above water. Right? What would happen if uh, somebody in this room said, you know what, I already watched my kids, I can watch two more. So that that single mom doesn't have to take care of her bills and this. Like, what kind of light in community could that be if we start doing that? What if, what if somebody in here was just like, you know... Every Monday, I could go down to Collins Manor, sit down and play cards and just talk and visit with people who are not able to, you know, get out as frequently or as easily as they used to, right? There's, there's ways that even, like, within the county that there's things that we could just kind of look at and go, like, what if, what if I just, like, rolled up my sleeves a little bit with the extra time that I might have to contribute? Like, what might that do? Um, in the book... Galatians 6, it talks about like, hey, do good to all people, especially those of the family of God. So like, what would, what would happen if we start by going, hey, who are the people most in need here and how do we move in that way so that that's a light to the world, the city on a hill that people see the light shining. But then like, that when we are intentional to go, and I'm going to find other people and I'm going to just start loving and ministering to them. I wanted to share a couple like startling statistics that I think are really important, though, because um, where I sit, I, um, I'm thinking forward to 2050. Uh, and I say that because, you know, 2050 is closer to us today than 1990 is. Think about that. We're 32 years from, 20, or from 1990. We're 28 years from 2050. And, and some of the things, and this is why it's so important that the light doesn't get snuffed out, so to speak, when we look at this. Um, 
right now, some of the statistics would say that there's about one gospel-preaching, Bible-believing church for every 1,000 people in America. By 2050, they're anticipating that number being closer to 1 to 10,000 um, because there's churches rapidly closing their doors faster than they're opening. Um, in order to just maintain population growth in America, um, by 2050, just to maintain a 1 to 1,000 ratio, we need to open up 76,000 new churches to maintain a 1 to 1,000 ratio. Um, but currently, it looks like it's on the decline. And so um, churches, like when I start thinking about Ripley Baptist Church, I go, Lord, would you raise up people here to continue to be a light to the world, right? And, and, and some of those questions also can spread out into Chautauqua County and go, can, can Ripley partner with some of these faithful churches that have been doing these sort of things so that we can continue to live this out and maybe even start a church or two? in Chautauqua County where there's need. Um, but some of these things are really important because it's also, the world is a, a rapidly changing place and um, we're becoming more and more of a melting pot in all demographics. And, and so we need, in order, to, in order to continue to maintain where we're at, um, we need churches like Ripley Baptist Church to continue to stay faithful, be a strong light in the world, a city on a hill, and continue to gain by losing by sending people all around the globe. Um, I, wanted, I just wanted to close with just a paragraph that I wanted to read from studies, studies in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones said at the end of his chapter, in chapter 5 here, he says, um, and he wrote this in the 1950s, um, Christian people, you and I are living in the midst of men and women who are in the state of gross darkness. They will never have any light anywhere in this world except from you and from me and the gospel we believe and teach. And they're watching us. Do they see something different about us? Are our lives a silent rebuke to them? Do we live, do we so live as to lead them to come to ask us, why do you always look so peaceful? How is it that your life is so balanced? How can you stand up to things as you do? Why is it that you're not dependent upon artificial aids and and pleasures as we are? What is this thing that you've got? If they do, we can then tell them of the wondrous, amazing, but tragically neglected news that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and to give men a new nature and a new life and to make them children of God. Christian people alone are the light of the world today. Let us live and function as children of light. Um, and so when I, when I think about this, um, I want you all to walk away being very encouraged. Um, I want you to be encouraged by not only what's been, um, but I don't think anyone in here should ever feel like we have to ever say, oh, do you remember how good the days used to be when? Because if Christ is in us, we continue to stand as children of light. We continue to be a city on a hill. The best is yet to come. And, and, um, and I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing how God's going to continue to raise up this body to be and do exactly what God is calling you to be raised up to do. Um, I do want to say um, a heartfelt thank you to Pastor Don. I, um, yeah, like I'm... 23 years into ministry. You're 40, 50 years. I'm halfway there, and I just, even just being here, I'm just praying, and I'm going, Lord, like, would you allow me to continue to 
run the race and be faithful um, in the ways that you have. Thanks for being my pastor. Let's pray. Lord, we just uh, thank you, Lord, for this day, for this wonderful occasion to be here. Thank you that the words of the Beatitudes that you shared are still true today. Thank you for the ways that as an outflow of those Beatitudes, uh, we live uh, from a heart posture of people who just want to care for those around us, the vulnerable, the neglected, the hurting. Lord, help the ways that we live and stand um, continue to make significant changes and inroads into the community around us and and may human flourishing around us um, increase because of just the ways that we live and just breathe and walk and do. Um, Lord, as Martin Lloyd-Jones says, we pray that people would ask people in this room what's different about them and why. Lord, may this ministry of uh, Ripley Baptist Church uh, continue to be on a trajectory of just making significant impact for Jesus Christ for many, many decades and many, many years. Thank you for Pastor Don. Thank you for Terry. Thank you for the leaders here that have been rolling up their sleeves for so long. Lord, continue to raise up more. May faithful men and women be raised up to just do the work of the ministry and to continue. We just submit all this to you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, under your average, we're going to come and sing our last song for us. So you to listen and apply this. You're going to sing, find us faithful. So a few months back, my mom had asked me if my family could come up and possibly be here for Pastor Don and Terry's retirement. I had told her I'd do my best, but I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to work it out with my crazy schedule, and because my, my husband and I just opened up an Airbnb, and I was the one cleaning it, so I didn't have a cleaning person yet. Um, thankfully, in mid-April, I had found a lady, and so it worked out that I had someone that started to clean for me. Well, Pastor, I guess my mom wanted to guarantee that I was going to be here. (laughs) I told her that she probably could have figured out a better way to get me here, one that wasn't so stressful. I am now here on my fourth week being able to be here and care for my parents. So for some of you who didn't know, she just recently had an unexpected open heart surgery this uh, this May. So she got me here. (laughs) One of my memories with Pastor was when he was our temporary high school um, Sunday school teacher before we moved into Tom Menser's class. Rachel may remember some of this. We would always ask you so many questions about everything you can imagine a teen would want to ask. But he would never just give us an answer to our questions. He would always answer us with a question back. As teens, we always wanted those quick black and white answers to everything. 
Although sometimes he may have given us some of those quick answers, most of the time it was a question in return. He would encourage us to go to the main source and the ultimate answer guide for all of our unanswered questions, the Bible. The funny thing is, today with my children, guess what? They get a question back when they ask me a question. Pastor, I want to thank you for your faithfulness to this church, to your family, and to the local community. Thank you for running the race, not just for the prize, but for those who are coming up behind, demonstrating the heritage of faithfulness which is passed on through godly lives. May the footprints that you and Terry have left lead others to believe and to inspire them to obey. I'm good with that. I'm really... It's okay. It's okay. Let's do this again. Uh Uh-oh. Come and gone 
and our children sift through all we've left behind. May the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road we each must find. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light the way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to Excellent job. All the lessons I took, they told you that one thing you don't do is ever quit. Always finish, and she did. And uh, grateful for those who have taken part today, those who have shared some of their thoughts. You're going to get more chance. You're invited to stay and eat with us and enjoy that. Um, That's right after the service here. We'll be going out there. Uh, We have one more thing to take place before we leave this auditorium and Tom Walt's going to come up to do that part. I think my wife and I, other than Joe Mooney is down in Texas now, are the oldest members, not the oldest necessarily, but the oldest, longest members here. So we've been around seen a few things. Uh, I think I first met Terry when she was maybe five years old, something in that area there. She lived up past where the road goes off to the Rod and Gun Club down on the dead end road there. And we picked her up and brought her to church for a while uh, after we started going down there. And so we knew her for quite a while now. And then we met Pastor I'm guessing he was around 10. I don't remember that. Closer to 12, 11. 12, okay. He uh, came and stayed at our house for a couple of weeks, I think it was, before his folks moved over here. Uh, now, five or six, actually. Right? Five or six weeks. You have five or six weeks? Was that long? Okay. <laughs> his folks, had, I think they'd turn in their resignation there, but they couldn't get over here and things get ready and stuff. So, so the, the children came over and started school down there. Uh, so he stayed at our house, and uh, we got to know him there. I wasn't a very mature Christian, not that I am so great now, but I didn't know him too well, so I probably our family didn't impress him too well, and he was young, away from home, staying with a bunch of strangers. And uh, so uh, we got to know him that way, and then over the years we've got to know him better. Uh, Terry's mother at one time stayed at a trailer across from us 
uh, the ant loan we land we owned there for a while. And then Terry and Don, when they got married, they had their wedding reception over on our front lawn. And so we, we've had a kind of a close relationship to them for quite a while and appreciated and enjoyed them. We um, have been a big part of our life for, for many, many years. And uh, we've known them from when they were just really youngsters up to uh, they're almost getting up to middle age now. And, <laughs> And you gotta wonder how old I am, though so that's pretty old, you know. So uh, we've we've had a wonderful relationship with them. Uh, I made myself some notes because at my age I forget so many things anymore. But uh, I guess that's really mostly all I want to say now. Uh, it's been a blessing to have them in our lives, be a part of their lives and their ministry for these many years, and. Uh, I would Terry, would you and Pastor come up? Are you willing to do that? I know you don't want to, but that's uh, We've got this little card to give to him. Now, you'd think after all this, these years we'd have something bigger, or at least if I was going to give him these cards, they'd have put it in a big box, you know, or something. Come, I got lots of boxes in my office. Lots of boxes, okay. <laughs> Well, this is just a token of our love for this young man and young woman that we've enjoyed and appreciated and shared in their testimony with them for a lot of years. How many of you went down to the other church? How many of you remember that? Okay, we got a few that, that were involved in that. Been a lot of years. This church has been here quite a few years now, but uh, we started out down there, down on the corner where the library is now, and... Uh, it's gone through a lot of history, and Pastor Don and Terry have had a lot of history here, and we've certainly been really appreciative of all they've done, and both of them in so many different ways. And so to tell you we love you, and we want to share some more of your life with you. I know you're not quitting everything. You're, you're just moving into a different, excited stage. And so thank you and welcome to your new, your new time in history, Pastor Don. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to make this simple. I'm going to pray to close the service and to open the eating. I don't know whether they'll be ready for you or not, but I'm already going to pray for the food. So when it's ready, you'll be able to eat. So let's have a word of prayer together. Gracious Father, we're so grateful for this time to come together. We appreciate those who have reminded us some of the things that have gone on while Don and Terry have been a part of our church as a pastor and his wife and the many things they've served in, Terry as Sunday school teacher and so many times running off to help other people. We're grateful for those who truly give themselves to you to be used, to be servants of the Most High is the greatest honor we could ever think to have. So we're grateful for them, Lord, and we're, we're grateful for you having raised them up to be a part of this church. Now we pray for our people now and those here listening and being a part that, Lord, you just raise us up servants, people who will say to you, yes, Lord, uh, that we would be glad to serve in whatever way you'd call us to do so. 
Help us, Lord, to truly be that light on the hill for this community. And that our spread of people around the world would be a light not just to the community, but to the world. We can be thankful for that kind of heritage and pray that you'll help us to continue on to do that. Lord, as we leave here, we're getting together just to share and uh, in food and in discussion and we'll have opportunity to share things we've remembered and been a part of and to just thank uh, Don and Terry in many ways. But Lord, we know ultimately the glory of all of this is, goes to you. You're an amazing God. We're grateful for the many ways you care for our needs and beyond that you give to us so much more than we really deserve. We praise you for that, and we thank you for the food today, for those hands that have worked at it, for all that it means as we celebrate together. Most of all, we celebrate you. We praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. You're dismissed.